0: It is the most wonderful time of the year for a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. Well, the best place to get all three is mybookie.com. They're the only sportsbook that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL, NBA, college football, and more. College basketball, too. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up. Enter promo code ZABE and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best, bet with MyBookie. Today on the ZABEcast, on the same day that Alabama versus LSU was a afterthought snooze fest, Coastal Carolina, BYU, did the trick 2020 you are drunk go home the great peter alice passes away a tribute to a golf voice we'll never hear again and it's okay to wrestle just don't shake hands your high test not street legal 30 minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded so buckle up and let's go (laughs) here we go Chance for the Cougars. Mill the catch. Wrestled down on the two.
1: Coastal wins it. This
0: almost reminds me of the end of that Super Bowl. Titans-Rams. Remember how close? And there it was. The final play in a thriller before 5,000 genuine fans Not a bunch of stupid cardboard cutouts. Mormons versus the Mullets. And the Mormon Manziel, Zach Wilson, to Dax Milne, one yard short, 22-17. And the Chanticleers remain undefeated. More on that in a minute. But first, welcome to Monday. Thank you for downloading. I am in Milwaukee this week, basically preempted all week long. Back in D.C., the woofed plays tonight opposite what my normal time slot is. That line, by the way, is plummeting due to, I guess, confidence in the Washington football team and a late-week injury report appearance of Big Ben. Uh, He's questionable, at least he was as of Sunday. I don't believe it, people. I think this is more reason to buy Pittsburgh At a discount. And By the way, you can do that at mybookie.com. I was aware I gave out both sides of the Ravens game. I said prior to betting on the game on Monday, I love Baltimore plus ten and a half, and I made a joke about three times rescheduled pandemic games being a great system player, something like that. I didn't really believe it, but that's what I said. It was a backdoor cover. Of course, I really bet the other side of it. And I got burned. But guess what? I got it all back on Alabama minus the 29.5. They won by what? 38 it was against LSU. And like I said, that game, which normally is a the earth stops spinning, everybody reorient. What are you doing? It's LSU, Alabama. Get in front of a TV and watch Afterthought because LSU is in such a broken state right now. And, of course, Alabama killed them anyway. So I knew I was going to play that game. Mr. X and I talked about it on Friday. And if you are a subscriber, you already know that. Um, and uh, we we won on that one. So there you go. And you can get in on it at mybookie.com. Rock solid online book. They actually pay out. Been with them now for over three years. Uh, very few complaints. And when they do crop up, I swing into action. I help resolve your issue, usually within 24 hours. Promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo will get you a matching deposit up to 50%. So get on it and enjoy. So this game, BYU versus Coastal Carolina, was everything we wanted it to be and then some. And here is, I think, the most interesting concept to come out of this game, which was put together basically (laughs) on a moment's notice. David Hale, writing for ESPN.com, begins as follows. The backstory is already well known. Coastal was supposed to play Liberty, but COVID intruded. Midweek, Coastal's AD, Matt Hogue, and BYU's AD, Tom Holmo, started talking. And by Thursday, game on. The idea made sense for both teams, writes Hale. Neither of them members of a Power 5 conference, both largely overlooked by the College Football Playoff Committee. If they wanted the respect that comes with be- beating an equality opponent, why not play each other? Both were 9-0. So BYU flew 2,200 miles to Conway, South Carolina. The equipment trucks drove at a breakneck pace, tweeting all the way, setting up a clash of cultures between, as a popular screen-printed T-shirt sold by a Coastal fan, boasted Mormons? Versus mullets. Oh, yes. (laughs) Chef's kiss. For those that don't know the reference, it goes back to Catholics versus convicts between Notre Dame and Miami. A program that had, at the time, let's just say, its share of colorful characters and sometimes those who were afoul of the law. And, of course, Notre Dame being Catholics. Was that the game in the early 90s or late 80s? I don't know. I, I'd have to look that one up. Nice research. Hey, I'm in a hotel room, all right? By the way, I'm in a great hotel this time. It's a residence inn by Marriott. All of you fellow travelers who travel for work, tell me these places aren't the fucking shit. I love this place. It's, a, it's like a miniature, It's a miniature apartment. It's like I'm back to being 22 and single again. I got a little kitchen. I got a little couch. I got a nice flat screen TV. I got a bathroom that I don't have to share with anybody. I got a nice big desk here to do my podcast. It's so great. Okay, I digress. So Catholics versus convicts, Mormons versus mullets was the impromptu T-shirt that got printed up uh, on a day's notice, basically. Coastal's freshman QB, Grayson McCall, played like a vet. And he didn't throw often, but his decision-making running the option was perfect. C.J. Marrable, their senior tailback, uh, ran for 132 yards, two scores. And the Coastal defense came up when it mattered most, when the game was on the line. And this is maybe one of the great lines I've read in a long time by David Hale, ESPN.com. To be fair to BYU... A lot of people go to Myrtle Beach with high hopes, only to leave with nothing but a cheap t-shirt. Oh, yes, sir All right, just had to get that in there. <laughs> yeah. Conway, South Carolina is basically Myrtle Beach. It's just down the road. Anyhow, he brings up the following interesting concept. He said the biggest takeaway, and again, this is reading from David Hale. He said the biggest takeaway is that while it's impossible to know how differently this game might have played out had BYU had several weeks to prepare, why should that type of flexibility be relegated to a year only decimated by COVID? Why not have flexibility in scheduling in normal years in the years to come. That's a great idea. Hale's idea is to set aside what he calls essentially a bracket buster weekend for college football, a set of games between teams outside the Power Five. Schedule it two weeks out, which is a lifetime, he says, compared to what Coastal and BYU had to prepare, and give the rest of the country a real look at the teams it has probably overlooked all year. And if this isn't the future of scheduling, he says, at least we'll have uh, Sudipo's tackle. That was the kid who tackled uh, Milne at the goal line. And the raucous celebration among coastal players that followed, like the mullet haircut that defines them, the Chanticleers were all business, right up until the party started. Some good sports writing right there. One day they'll replace all these sports writers with bots and AI and computers, including podcasters like me, that's good. I'm going to take it one step further. And by the way, you know, Coastal is going to likely finish the year undefeated. They will have beaten BYU. They've got actually got two top 25 wins and a quality win against App State. But they don't belong in a Final Four against the likes of Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and or Notre Dame. Everyone agrees to that. They would be a way-too-easy out. And no, don't say. Well, you never know. Let's, let's play the game, and we'll see. They would get their faces kicked in. You know it, and I know it. Hell, Big Ten teams other than Ohio State get their faces kicked in. In the okay, sorry, had to say that. But here's where the Coastal Carolinas belong, as Cinderellas. Here is where the BYU's. Here is where the Cincinnati's belong. They belong in a sixteen. 16- team NCAA college football tournament. That's right, kids. Yours truly, El Baldo, who has opposed anything more than eight at the most. Four is still good enough. College football playoff. Yes, I just said it. Let's go to 16. Here's why. With 16, you can put a Cinderella in, and they get that warm fuzzy vibe of, we're in the playoff. Sure, they're a, they're a 16 seed, and they're going to be playing against somebody who is likely to kick their face in, but they will, over the years, win a couple of these games, and they will be great, and they will be magical, they'll be just everything you want. That's the Cinderella concept that we love in the college basketball tournament. It's doable in football but you need a bigger field. You've got to have 16. You really can't do it with eight even, and you certainly can't do it with four, but you could with 16. So that's one thing I'm proposing. Let's go to a 16-team Division One playoff. Then we can include the Cinderella's like Coastal and Cincinnati and uh, whoever else may be good that year. Okay, that's number one. Number two, back to this two weeks out open Saturday thing. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. This would be so awesome. Open date Saturday. You have two weeks to prepare for an open date opponent, and you make your own matchups. Think of the speculating. And by the way, I mean everybody. Everybody. Every Division One team. It's like, it's like a dance. Let's call it the uh, high school dance weekend where there's 25 girls and there's 25 guys Everybody pick a partner. Pick a partner, do-si-do, round and round you go. It would be fucking great. Imagine the speculation. I hear Alabama is looking to set up for open date weekend a game against so-and-so or a game against so-and-so and and, and on down the line. And then you know the top programs will pick each other because they're the ones that usually can say no, and then everyone else will be left to scramble. And if anybody at at any point two weeks prior – to Open Date Weekend just doesn't have a match? Well, it'd be like the high school dance. You'll get paired up with somebody, and you better like it. Tell me, Open Date Weekend is not a phenomenal idea. It's rough around the edges. I'm going to count on you listeners and loyal podcast subscribers to polish the edges for me, but you get what I'm saying? Everybody has an Open Date in the schedule. And you can't commit to an opponent until two weeks prior. And it's a free fall, free for all. So there's nobody saying, you're going to play them, you're going to play them. You make your own date according to who you want to make your own date with. I know there's a lot of things that's got to be worked out. Who's going to play where, home and homes. These college football coaches, they all want total control over their scheduling. Nick Saban would hate this, to the moon and back. But guess what? I don't care. You know, you say you can't do this, can't do that. We're just going to do it, all right? We did it during COVID. We'll do it now, all right? Let's just get a game. We got two weeks to figure it out, and we'll play, all right? I say let's do it. Speaking of let's do it, reminder, Sunburn Bowl two is on. You can join us at 97 through the game in Mexico the week after the Super Bowl. And it doesn't matter if you listen to me in Wisconsin or otherwise, you can join the trip anywhere in the country. You just have to work out a way to either get with our charter leaving Milwaukee, or we can make for some alternate arrangements with your travel. Now, it may cost a little bit more, but don't you want to join us? Go to thegamemke.com, and if you want to see what last year's Sunburn Bowl 1 looked like, Go to my Twitter feed, at Zabe, look at the pinned tweet at the top. It has a link to the three-and-a-half-minute recap video. And if you watch that and say to yourself, we have the money, we can get the time from work, we can get a babysitter, we're not overly paranoid about COVID, we'd like to go, but nah, it doesn't look like fun. If you really can say that, fuck you, you're lying. Because you know it looks like fun because it is fun. So join us in... Mexico, the week after the Super Bowl. Sunburn Bowl Two is on. Go to the game, mke.com for more details, or just email me and I'll help walk you through it. Speaking of Mexico, Mexico's president, I'm becoming a fan, said he will only wear a mask when the country eradicates corruption. A pledge he made the day after Mexico surpassed the United Kingdom in total COVID-19 deaths. Can I pause for a minute on these COVID-19 deaths that are being counted? Somebody made this point, and it's a good point. Every year, we count all kinds of deaths. Deaths by cancer, deaths by heart heart attack, deaths by disease, deaths by flu and pneumonia, deaths by COVID now. But the deaths per the seasons, they don't carry over. So they go year to year. So essentially, this COVID thing should start over when we get to one year. But it's not gonna, because it's too useful for the politicians to just keep the count rolling. So we lose fifty to eighty thousand, we estimate, due to flu every year. Do we keep rolling it over? Do we say we've lost a million people to the flu in the last twelve years? Twelve years? Because we haven't, you know, rolled it over. No, of course not. Anyhow, speaking to reporters on Friday morning, Andres Manuel Lopez Abrador said, you know what, I'm going to put on a mask when there is no corruption. Then I'll put on a mask and I'll stop talking. Like his populist counterparts, Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, and Donald Trump, the president, popularly known as Almlo, has appeared skeptical over masks since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. He has never encouraged mask wearing and has only worn one in public when obliged to do so because he was taking a commercial flight. Speaking of Bolsonaro, <laughs> <look at> this. <laughs> He said, everything is now a pandemic. You have to end this business, man. I'm sorry about the dead. I'm sorry. We're all going to die one day. Everyone's going to die here. There's no point in running away from it, running away from reality. It has to stop being a country of pussies, said Bolsonaro in a ceremony at the Planalto Palace. I also think he used the F word, which is too derogatory for me to use, and I wouldn't use it, but he said it. We have to be, We have to stop being a country of... What? Love that guy, though. By the way, he had it, and he beat it. Just like Lou Holtz had it, and he beat it. Just like old Bobby Bowden had it, and he beat it. Just like Jack Nicklaus had it, and he beat it. My uncle had it, and he didn't beat it. I'm very sorry for that. I'm just trying to bring some perspective. Speaking of perspective... Peter Alice passed away at 89, I believe. Let me check that real quick. Peter Alice dies. That's a harsh thing to Google, isn't it? Excuse my sniffling. Oh, no. Do you have it? I don't have it. Uh, 89 years old for Peter Alice, who is considered to be the voice of golf. He was so goddamn funny. It was just incredible to listen to him doing golf broadcasts for ABC on American television, and on the BBC, of course, for many years as well. More on Peter Alice. He gave the most epic induction speech to the Pro Golf Hall or the uh, World Golf Hall of Fame in 2012. I'll play a short selection of it. But here was Peter Alice coming back from a. Uh, from a break on ABC in 2012 with the crowd shots sort of setting the scene at the British Open or the Open Championship. Mike Tirico could not hold his laughter after hearing this from the great Peter Alice.
1: Well, welcome back to a few uh, crazy people here at Lytham. This is our summer Although you wouldn't think so, you might be in Alaska on a wet Sunday, but uh, they're enjoying it, believe it or not. We're a funny masochistic lot, getting more and more overweight as the years go by. (laughs) Everyone's sitting in front of the television and playing with their whatever they play with. Some of the kids, well, you stay sleeping, son, one day you'll be overweight and out of work. (laughs) Like 90% of the world these days. (laughs) You're a classic. Here we go. Uh, but that's what it is like here, folks at the moment we're, uh, we're in a not in a great financial situation, but you wouldn't think so with all these people paying to watch Tiger and really enjoying it because he's putting on the style
0: <laughs> some little kid is sleeping in his mother's arms on a 52 degree 52 degree 52 degree English. Summer afternoon watching golf. Mom is watching golf sitting on the grass. Baby is dead asleep in her arms. And Peter Alice is narrating, Oh, yes, lads, someday you'll grow up to be overweight and out of work like the rest of the world. Peter Alice didn't give a fuck. And that's what I need to channel. I need more of that in my attitude, in my life. Here was Peter Alice talking about his life broadcasting and his final send-off as he closed his speech at the induction to the World Golf Hall of Fame in 2012. The giant eruption of applause at the end, I will tell you what it was because it was a visual, but it was epic and it brought the house down. I started doing television in the early 60s and by 1974,
1: pro Celebrity Golf had started. And through my association with Mark McCormack and ING, he introduced me to the world of television over here, uh, working for ABC television. And I can, uh, it's very difficult to pick uh, the BBC or ABC. I'm an Englishman. And of course, one is always happiest at home. But I never enjoyed myself more than coming here and working with ABC. Why? Well, they were lovely people. One or two of them shouted a bit and swore, Um, but they didn't swear at me too often. And uh, the big boys always wound up the tournaments. They did the 17th and the 18th hole so I could clear off after the 16th green. I suppose in four days of television, I might have actually spoken for about an hour. And they paid me a ridiculous amount of money. (laughs) and a first-class airfare from London, and if it was necessary, use the Concorde. So I had nothing to complain about at all, Uh, but I've loved coming here and working on the television. It's time to go. I could waffle on for another four or five hours, but... um, (laughs) I just want to say this. Think of it often, uh, because I did leave school early. I I was quite bright, but... uh, I remember my last report, which was sent home. We had a, a, a headmistress at my modest school, it was called Crosby House School. She was a Mrs. Violet Weymouth. And she was a short Welsh woman, about that big and about that wide, and she smoked. She always had a cigarette dangling out of her mouth. And the smoke used to trickle up here, and was, you could see where the smoke went. It was sort of a brown line up there. <laughs> but she was. you uh you didn't mess about with Mrs. Weymouth, I can tell you, that. and I'm always staggered today when I read that children go to school and beat up the the, 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 the you know the teachers I think wouldn't have done that in my day. I tell you that, but I remember the last report she sent back to my parents, and it went something like this: Peter does have a brain, but he's rather loath to use it his only Interests appear to be the game of golf and Violet Pretty. <laughs> a girl allied to, she never knew about Iris Baker, but they were the two <laughs> that introduced me to some of the ways of the world. <laughs> so mum and dad died a long, long time ago. And if there is such a thing as heaven, and if people do look down, um, well, Mum, Dad, here we are. Look at this lot. (laughs) Look where I've been, look what I've done. Never worked very hard at it, and it's all fallen into place. Lovely family, lovely wife, looks after me, shouts a bit occasionally, but uh, (laughs) they are remarkable. They put up with all my nonsense, and uh, I love them dearly. And Mrs. Weymouth, if you're there.
0: And with that, he flipped the bird and said nothing. Listen to that. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. There'll never be another one quite like Peter Alice. You know, I remember back in the spring or the early summer, actually. It was August, hell. And I was, I don't know what motivated me. I was i was in a snippy mood, I guess, pandemic fatigue. And I lashed out on Twitter at both Ian Baker, Finch, and Frank Nabilo. And I dubbed them accent acts that bring nothing to the broadcast. Maybe deep in my mind, I was remembering guys like Peter Allison, Ben Wright, who, yes, they had accents, but my God, they brought something to the broadcast. And they lashed at their commentary with the gusto of a palmer instead of plinking away and playing it safe and cashing paychecks like a Chip Beck would do. Maybe that was deep down my motivation for being mean on Twitter. Rest in peace, Peter Alice. You are going to be missed. NFL Sunday, I had the pleasure of being in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Actually, West Allis, technically. Dirty, dirty Stallis at the fantastic Natty Oaks Pub and Grill on the corner of National and Oklahoma. Get it, Natty Oaks. And me and Josh and Git and Big Mike from Micah Wish and some other hooligans were there watching the Packers and the Eagles. And it was a way too close for comfort come from a head win until aaron jones well did this second and seven big running lane and jones takes off into the secondary and now sprinting down the sideline wiggles past mccloud and he's all the way to the end zone to be tonight, 77 yards you know we're driven by the search for better when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match you need indeed a great run in which david bakhtiari after just getting that huge contract actually escorted him into the end zone at the end of the 77 yard run how many left tackles do you know that can do that what a run and what a needed touchdown at that point because the packers were on their way to blowing an unblowable game excuse my voice i was yelling a bit at the bar uh by the way that was great it, it there is nothing like being at a sports bar when the team that you are rooting for has a big play and that was the case uh at natty oaks the place went nuts i needed that so bad i needed to get out and and be with the guys and be amongst people and it was just great to watch the game there and see the touchdown happen and jump up and down and pump fist and high five and all that other stuff plus the wings there are just so good I know I know my gerd 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 gerd's the word I'll work on the GERD tomorrow anyhow we're watching the game going why are the what are the Packers doing they're up 23 to three and they're there's fourth quarter and they're not running it They're throwing it. Now, I know Philly's defense is good. And I know that they stuffed the run pretty well. But Jesus, it's three and out, three and out, three and out. No time taken off the clock. What are you doing? Then special teams mistake. All of a sudden, holy shit, it's a seven-point game. Could have been a six-point game except for a missed field goal. Missed extra point, excuse me. And that's when Aaron Jones did his thing. Thank God for that. Which brings me to the following electronic mail I got from Dave in Wisconsin. First of all, as soon as Aaron Jones finished off that run, I said on Twitter, I said, well, the entire eight o'clock segment on Tuesday, when we meet with Aaron Jones, have him call into the show is going to be about that run. And we're going to try to resist the three of us from being totally Chris Farley. Like, and then you juke that guy and then you just kept running. And got a, that, that was awesome. <laughs> We're going to try not to be that guy. But that said, Dave from Wisconsin writes the following. Zabe, I'm a loyal listener to your morning show on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. Ding. And a ZabeCast subscriber. Ding. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for all that you do. No, thank you. Your content is my happy place where I go to take a break from work in the life of raising little kids. God bless you, sir. You're in the thick of it. You're in the battle right now, oh, little kids. Anyway, an idea came to me while listening to 97.3 in my dear stand this week for a podcast topic that I would love to see you cover. I can't help but notice how you struggle to get Aaron Jones to provide more than just a one or two word answer during your weekly interview with him. I mean, I love the guy as a Packer fan, and he seems like a fantastic person, but he sure is a tough interview. Put a pin in that, hold that thought. Hearing this made me realize that I can't think of an athlete that has ever provided a good interview in these common weekly interviews that are always on local sports radio. I would love to hear your battle stories of the best and worst interviewees that you've had so far in your career. I'd also love to hear how these athletes get selected. It sure seems to me like they are selected for their popularity and on-field performance rather than their on-mic Personalities. I know that I'd much rather hear from the third-string long snapper over the RB1 if he can provide real insight and color on what's going on with the team. Thank you for your time, and have a happy Thanksgiving. That was from a week ago. All right, Dave, couple things. Number one, Aaron Jones was way better the following week with us than he was the week before. And you know what I chalked that up to? He doesn't do this professionally for a living. I do. He runs the football and makes guys miss and truck sticks fools. That's what he does for a living. Second, who knows how he's feeling when we call him at 8 o'clock. Some days are better than others. And so, therefore, you know, it all depends. What's going on? Did he have a good game? Not so good game. Did the coaches get in him on, uh, get into him on something? Is he dealing with something at home? I mean, everyone's a human being. So it's not like they wake up and go, all right. I got my hit with Zabe today. All right, what's my material? I'm going to lay out my notes here. I'm okay. I'm awake. All right, let's. All right, I'm going to bring it today. No, they get these endorsements. They get, you know, it's a paid appearance. Let's not kid ourselves. And it's not for a ton of money, but it does, I'm sure. And I don't know what we pay him. It's none of my business. They said, do you want Aaron Jones? I'm like, fuck yeah. It rhymes with thousands. So it's. It's not chump change, but it's not going to change anyone's life. And basically, they just have to be told, look, you got to make this hit every week. And believe it or not, for some players, it's harder than you would think. And so their agent, who sets these things up, says, look, I can get you this deal, this much money, call into a weekly radio show. Guys are good guys. They'll they'll treat you fairly, whether you're having a good season, bad season, good game, bad game, you name it, and uh, you'll get paid this much money. Can you can you pick up the phone once a week for 20 minutes and usually the guys say yes but they're not pros at this and it changes from week to week their you know their overall alertness you know how late were they up how how sore do they feel lots of things anyway aaron jones was great the following week so i kind of put this email back in my back pocket for a second but the larger question of you know can you tell me some of the best and worst weekly interviews that you have had set up for you over the years, oh, Lord, I would have to go and consult my buddy Scott Lynn and ask about that because we at Fox Sports Radio used to get fed guys including some guy who was the head coach of the Rams, and he was a complete zilch. Let me find out uh, head coach. Rams history wiki, all right? I wish I knew this off the top of my head. Uh, That's why Wikipedia is open, everybody. Just relax. I'll get it for you. Uh, Here we go. It was Scott Linehan. Scott Linehan was a zero. (laughs) But coaches are never going to give you a whole lot. Not when they're coaching. They're not paid to do that. Now, the relationship you might have with an athlete or a coach matters. And it all depends. I mean, this is a league in which if you're not Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to get real loose and goofy on a radio interview because this league is brutal and the life is short. And things can spiral out of control now quickly if you say one thing. Like, if you're Aaron Jones – and you say, yeah, I didn't think the blocking was that good on that fourth down play. Oh, oh, trust me. That's getting back to the team, and it's not going to sit well. Now, Aaron Jones is too solid of a dude. You know, he's military raised through and through, and so he's not going to do that. I'm, he's not worried about that. I'm not worried about that, but that factors into it. Now, who are some of the better you know, guys that – you know? he said, I've never heard one of these weekly guests – be really good in radio that's tricky i think there are some that are good but again the bigger the name you get the more he's got to lose and so the more that they protect themselves by saying not very much and if you get some guy who's kind of a random guy who's third string whatever oh sure he'll he'll yuck it up more but it doesn't come off as like legitimate because you say to yourself well Who the fuck cares what you think? You're the long snapper. Or you're the fourth string punt return guy. Like, you didn't even play in the game. So why are we asking you what happened on this play? It's a tough deal. We're glad to have Aaron Jones, and believe me, we're going to watch that run with him, virtually. (laughs) And we're going to go through every little nook and cranny of it. Because it was awesome. You know what wasn't awesome is Carson Wentz. Good Lord, does he stink. I had heard and I talked to uh, uh, Jody Mack on Friday on my show in D.C. Um, And I asked, I said, what's wrong with him? And he said, I've never seen anything like it. He has uh, just fallen apart as a quarterback. He has lost it. He, He has just lost touch of everything. And he was right. He is right. And it's, I think the season's over for Carson Wentz. It's got to be. He's running into sacks. He's turning the wrong way. He's ducking his head at the first sign of pressure. His throws are erratic. He has completely lost his confidence. And so when Jalen Hurts came in, I said, oh, shit, this guy looks like a real quarterback. And you didn't, didn't take long to see that kind of confidence. And, of course, younger and more spry and able to run away from things. It's bad for Carson Wentz. I don't know how they're going to rehabilitate him. They are on the hook for a ton of money with him in Philly. So Philly is out. No question about it in the NFC least. But look who jumped up and said, we are in, motherfuckers. The New York football Giants who with a stunning upset win as 10-point dogs of the Seahawks, and I know that was one of my three picks. My lock of the week, loser. That would be the Titans. My other better play, Seahawks, loser. The What was my third play? I should probably know my own plays, don't you think, everybody? Let's see. Did I write them down here? Wait a minute. They're in my notepad. Where'd my notepad go? Don't have it with me. You'll remind me. I'm sure it was a loser as well. Don't worry. I've got the Steelers tonight. By the way, mybookie.com. Steelers for the legal limit. Okay. And by legal limit, I mean don't bet too much because I can be wrong. I, I am wrong from time to time. So Carson Wentz, done for the year. Stinks. Oh, yeah, Giants. So the Giants upset the Seahawks. They get to five wins now with... Four games remaining, and so one more win. With the way they're playing, and given the fact they won this game without Daniel Jones, with Colt friggin' McCoy, who was thirteen of twenty-two for a hundred and five yards, that sucks ass. But guess what? Wayne Gallman had sixteen for a buck thirty-five, and the Giants' defense completely stymied Russell Wilson. Uh, the the Giants are likely to win one more game. So the Giants are going to get to six, and they own the drop against the Redskins by, excuse me, the Wolf. They have the drop on the Wolf by the virtue of the season sweep. So the Wolf has to get to seven because the Giants will get to six. They'll fall into six one way or the other, and therefore seven is going to be a tall ask for the Wolf at this point. But we'll see what they do tonight or this evening against the Steelers. Elsewhere, biggest statement of the day was the Browns ripping the Titans a new asshole, going up 38-7 to at half, and then coasting to a uh, it was a little bit tight 41-35 win when it was all said and done. This is the best the Browns have been in a long time. They're now 9-3, signature win over a playoff-bound team. They held uh, King Henry to like 60 yards. And I'm not saying they're a better team without Odell Beckham Jr., but ever since he's gone out, they've played great football. There's a fine distinction. I'm not saying they're a better team without him. I'm saying that once they lost him, they've played like a great team. Is that too fine of a distinction? Browns are 9-3, and, and the fans must be besides themselves because they are – now a threat to do something, perhaps in the very competitive AFC. Two a time back with the Dolphins, they beat the Bengals nineteen to seven. Tonga twenty six of thirty nine, almost three hundred yards and a touchdown. Good to see him doing well. The Vikings right now would be the seven seed in the NFC. Can you believe it? They're five and one since the bye. and they overcome a slew of missed kicks from. Uh, Bailey, and they get the game-winner in overtime after a big interception by Harrison Smith. Vikes and Kirk are 6-6. Six and six. Jaguars lose, and the other game of the weekend was the Raiders stealing one against the Jets in improbable fashion, unless you count Greg Williams as a blithering idiot. Rushes a full blitz, zero blitz, seven guys coming, and the Raiders throw it to Henry Ruggs, the fastest guy in the NFL, maybe aside from Cheetah, and he scores a touchdown to win the game, 31-28, to 28. but a win is a loss for the Jets, or a loss is a win, because they keep their record a perfect 0-12. Think of what it would have done if they had won that game. I don't know what the tiebreak is for the overall one seed with the Jaguars, but believe me, a lot of Jet fans were thrilled that Greg Williams is an idiot or smart like a fox. I'm not sure which one. Colts beat the Texans, no biggie there, 26-20. Rams over the Cardinals, 38-28. Cardinals now 6-6. And and I think I saw a stat that Kyler Murray is 1-9-1 in his NFL career as a starter when he doesn't rush for 40 or more yards. And the Patriots ripped the Chargers to shreds, 45-0, two special teams touchdowns, and the Patriots are in the hunt at 6-6. Six and six. Unbelievable. Cam Newton just 12-19. That's all he had to do. 69 yards, and they win the game 45 to nothing. He did have a touchdown pass, so there's that. The New England Patriots, after, after having half the team opt out prior to the season, a bunch of other guys get hurt during the season, and then to have Tom Brady leave, for them to be playing their best football, Across on the other side of the country against a team that's got weapons and can score and to play their best football and win 45 to nothing, my friends. That's coaching. That's Bill Belichick for the MFW, as the kids like to say. There is nobody better, and he is putting it together yet again. Amazing. Remember when we were talking back in the summer? Oh, yeah, Belichick's going to tank. You're going to tank for Trevor. No, no. And there ain't no tank in this guy, that's for sure. Let's end with a little bit of the latest scoop of stupid on coronavirus and sports. Ready for this one? This is a doozy. Ohio High School Sports Association, coronavirus rules for wrestling. Students can wrestle but can't shake hands <laughs> i can't i'm not making it up you couldn't make up anything this fucking dumb science it's science wrestling began its season thursday amid the pandemic under a new set of guidelines and rules to help prevent the spread of the virus in a heavy contact sport like wrestling uh you think OHSAA officials are trying their best to implement rules for players and coaches. Among the new rules is student athletes are permitted to wrestle, which, you know, means coming in tight contact, full body to full body, full of sweat, spit, breath, but must refrain from handshakes before and after the match. Wrestlers are also required to wear facial coverings off the mat when not actively competing. Or warming up. What have I told you about this phase of this stupid fucking pandemic? It is the throw your shoe at the virus stage of the pandemic. See this shoe here? Did you hear that? There, I just stopped some coronavirus. Good job, Cincinnati High School. You did something because that's all the politicians, that's all the bureaucrats. That's all the people in charge give a fuck about. Well, I did something. I said they can't shake hands. Sure, they can wrestle, but no, no shaking hands. That'll do it. All right, high five. Oh, wait, we can't do that. That's also... What fucking morons. And if I don't call them out as fucking morons, if you don't call them out as morons, what's to stop the next moronic thing from happening? More shoes! There you go. I threw the shoe at it. That should stop it. All right, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and I appreciate it. It's good to be here in the good land tonight. Woofed and Stillers as part of a doubleheader of football. Let's be appreciative of all the football that's on our plate because, like the old Irish saying goes, enjoy your ice cream when it's on your plate because you're a long time Dead. And football is going to be gone pretty soon. Don't quote me on that. It's something to that effect. You know the Irish. Very colorful and dramatic in their quotes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great Monday. And we will see you next time. It is the most wonderful time of the year for a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. Well, the best place to get all three is MyBookie.com. They're the only sportsbook that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL, NBA, college football, and more. College basketball, too. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at my bookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up. Enter promo code Zabe and get your deposit matched halfway up to thousand dollars. Head over to my bookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into twenty twenty one with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best, bet with my bookie.